contributing correspondent to Black Muse Podcast. I am so excited about today's conversation. Now you all know that I love a good conversation. And today we have an opportunity to have a conversation with a young man who's got some really, really incredible history, contributions, and just ideas. It isn't often we get a chance to talk with people who God is just gifted with that opportunity to tell us what's on their mind and know that these are true seeds from above. We're gonna to talk today with Reverend, Pastor, and maybe Doctor, I'm sure, Otis Moss III. He is the pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ. Welcome. To Black News Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a delight to be on with you. Thank you so much. You know, when I think about you and all of the things that you have done in your very, very young life. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're making me young. Thank you. Well, I got to think about my own gray hair, so. <laughs> but you are really a gifted pastor. You're a gifted speaker. You're somebody who's known for your love of youth and probably. Um, attributable to your lineage, you are a pastor who I would say is unapologetically black. It is one of the things I've admired about you for years. Um, we live in a world today where a lot of people are uh, walking around looking for approval, and it's usually approval from mainstream society. Uh, we are looking at situations now where even the percentages of involvement and participation of black businesses and contract opportunities in private sector and government sector is dismal because I think we're always trying to please others mm -hmm. and get the approval of others instead of just looking at what we have, what God gave us, and what we can do with what we have. So my first question to you is, what, in your view, is the state of black America today? Mm, wonderful question. We're in a space where we have witnessed our community move forward in terms of individual accolades. Mm. But collectively, we find ourselves in a space where we are repeating and experiencing some of the same pain from the antebellum and confederate period. Oh. So we can point to, to an Oprah, we can point to a Jay-Z, we can point to a Robert Smith, but when you look at people who are caught in the cycle of poverty, mm -hmm. uh, those who are dealing with the prison industrial complex, when you look at education, mm -hmm. and right now we're seeing a backlash, a desire to return to mm -hmm moments in history. Florida, for example, is banning books. Mm. I was reading the other day that they yeah. banned uh, a book about Rosa Parks. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be and, kidding. Yeah, I wish I was. Mm. I, I really wish I was. But, but it's a continuation of this deep fear of, of black excellence, mm -hmm. black intelligence, black imagination, mm -hmm. uh, that in some way that it might overshadow the uh, the system that is in place, and, and it will, <laughs> in many ways, it will transform that. Uh, but we're dealing with a moment where individuals are able to rise, mm. but collectively, uh, the way that the system is structured, it marginalizes people of African descent. You know, that is a powerful statement because if you know that, and I know that, and we look at the structure of our system from even a media standpoint, which is the narrative, the message that our kids get fed every day, day in and day out, um, what must they think, not just about the world that they live in, but about the role they 
can or cannot play in it. You know, it's, I'm glad you asked that question. This generation, I'm not just talking about uh, children of African descent. Mm -hmm. yes. There is a discontent mm -hmm. with just this generation mm -hmm. that wants to see a country live up to the quote-unquote promises mm -hmm. to transform this country. This generation has been raised under a black president. Mm -hmm. This generation has the echoes of a musical icon by the name of Tupac in mm -hmm. its spirit. Uh, this generation is is witnessing the rise of, of Afro-pop mm -hmm. music. And so they have been influenced by a global perspective culturally, but they have been also harmed by a narrow political focus. And so you have this globalization where, where black and brown people are, are seen as someone you want to emulate, mm -hmm. but then on the political side, Mm -hmm. You have this backlash that continues to say that, yes, you can emulate them for a moment, mm -hmm. uh, but you have to return to your whiteness mm -hmm. uh, after you're done with your childhood and your mm -hmm. young adulthood of emulation. Mm -hmm. And what I'm grateful for is the movement of young people globally who want to see a new world. Mm -hmm. The BLM movement, Black Lives Matter, the largest social protest movement in history. From Palestine to Australia yes. to South Africa, Africa. people recognize the idea of marginalization and state-sponsored uh, brutality mm -hmm. coming from whether it is the police or uh, our militarized uh, organizations. We've never seen that, mm -hmm. not since Marcus Garvey, uh, who two point Four million people, I think, were, were part of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Uh, so this, that's an exciting moment. But we are also moving into a regressive political time. And then that raises the question, what do we need? And this generation deeply wants to connect spiritually. They just don't have the language to. Now, see, when you talk about the message, what young people need, not having the language to speak. I can't help but think about your roots. Mm -hmm. Your father was a man that I knew. Um, he is, he, he was my Aunt Ruby's favorite pastor. Really? Yes, she attended his church in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And whenever I would go and visit her, this is mm -hmm. my mom's sister, we mm -hmm. would go to your father's church. And he actually came, he was a speaker at my graduation from McCormick Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think about your roots because you're not just the son of uh, Pastor Otis Moss Jr. You're the son of Pastor Otis Moss Jr. who um, he and your mother were married by um, Dr. King. Um, you come from this heritage where, you know, black power meant something. It was something that believed could be achieved. And all of those people that I just mentioned had language to speak that dream. Yes. And to speak it into your heart and into the hearts of young people like you. If I think about what you had growing up in that what some might call a privileged environment, I would push back on that because I come from the days of Harlem, New York, when mm -hmm. there was a historian on every vacant lot. Mm -hmm. And lots were not just places where crimes were mm -hmm. committed, it's where education and history were taught. But when you think about coming up in that uh, environment, mm -hmm. what did you have that you feel kids today lack? I went to public school in, uh, right outside of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And even though the public school did not elevate our story, mm -hmm. The families who were part of that community elevated our stories. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a prime example. One of my best friends, a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Perry, his father was Charles Perry, owned Pinckney and Perry Insurance <laughs> uh, with Arnold Pinckney. Mm -hmm. Arnold Pinckney was the first campaign manager for Jesse Jackson. Oh. Arnold Pinckney then partners with a person by the name of John Bustamante, who owned the Call and Post mm -hmm. newspaper in 
in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. John Bustamante was an old school race man. Mm. He believed that you got to own it, you have to support it. Mm -hmm. Even though he would say he was a Republican, mm -hmm. he said he believed in black thriving. Mm -hmm. So that was the community that I came out of, mm -hmm. uh, the community of, of Carl Stokes mm -hmm. being the first mayor of a major city and people coming together in coalition that laid the groundwork for Harold Washington mm -hmm. to be mayor here in, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And my father was a community griot. Mm -hmm. He was the person who shared the story not only the spiritual and biblical story, but he shared the story of black people. Mm. And that was something that you heard every single Sunday. My mother, who comes out of SCLC, who was mm. an office manager, she was a griot who shared mm. the story collectively. Mm. So it was important that we knew the names and the words mm. of James Baldwin, Zora yes. Neale Hurston, Maya Angelou, the Harlem Renaissance writers, and then the leaders in, in, in our community. Mm -hmm. So Du Bois, uh, mm -hmm. my father was a major Du Bois mm -hmm. fan. He had all of his books. <laughs> Marcus Garvey, mm -hmm. had to know Marcus Garvey. You, you had to know about Bayard Rustin, Ella Baker, Septima Clark. All of these people were important. These were the ancestors and the griots, the mm -hmm. sages who laid the foundation. Mm -hmm. So when we got to school, many of us start questioning our teachers. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we talking about Medgar Evers and Emmett Till? Mm -hmm. What's the issue here? This is what we hear at home. Mm -hmm. We have to hear this in school. So it was a, a family, families that came out of the movement. Some came out of the, the freedom movement, some came out of the black power movement, uh, some came out of the just the anti-war movement, mm -hmm. and you had these families that were deeply committed to not only the transformation of the community, but they wanted their children mm -hmm. to know the story, mm -hmm. the collective story of their community. Do you feel that we do a disservice to young people today? When I hear you say that, um, you know, your father and my father have something in common in that your father was an organizer mm -hmm. and he was one of the strategists that led the movement in Atlanta for mm -hmm. sit-in counters. Mm -hmm. My father was a strategist and organizer at Johnson C. Smith mm -hmm. and led the sit-ins and, mm -hmm. and strategy for the sit-in counter movement in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, and steeped in the political scene. Mm -hmm. but. When I think about the age that they were when they were doing mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, I look at black youth today mm -hmm. and I feel that perhaps there's a bit too much coddling mm -hmm. because in order for them to be able to accomplish what our fathers and mothers accomplished at that age, they got to start much younger, mm -hmm. accepting a level of responsibility, making mistakes and being accountable for their behavior. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I, I think that this generation, there is a level of, of, of coddling in general in, in American society. But I'm just so very excited about the activists of this generation mm -hmm. uh, who are breaking down barriers on, on numerous levels. I mean, we have a community of activists that are dealing with police brutality, a community mm -hmm. of activists who are dealing with the uh, cradle to prison pipeline a community of indigenous activists mm -hmm. who are dealing with the, uh, the genocide and reparations mm -hmm. with indigenous people and making the connection uh, to people of African descent. Mm -hmm. So you always have a prophetic mm -hmm. remnant. Mm -hmm. The challenge is, is that the wider status quo, wider society mm -hmm. wants to keep the majority asleep. Mm -hmm. They want them to be consumers, mm -hmm. not producers. Consumers, not imagineers. Mm -hmm. uh, consumers, not transformers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this consumer culture is detrimental to human thriving. Mm -hmm. And our children are in the midst of the largest consumer shift in the history of humankind, better known as social media. Mm -hmm. That literally rewires the brain mm -hmm. where we have four or five companies that 
literally are determining the direction, education, and outlook of an entire nation. Mm -hmm. That's scary. We've never had that before. We've had media companies, yeah. but we've never had people mm -hmm. who have that much control mm -hmm. and direction over several generations. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, you are the pastor of uh, Trinity United Church of Christ. Um, one of your parishioners, former parishioners, was none other than President Barack Obama. And I recall when Barack Obama said once during his presidency, he warned us about social media. He mm -hmm. warned us about um, Facebook, and he called it out, so I'll, I'll, I'm quoting him. But I think at the time, he was real concerned about his own daughters um, and, and, and knowing that he had insights. Now we've got AI coming, yes. and that's about to do some things that we, none of us, are, I think, can fathom at this point. Right. But when you look at um, the politics of it all, Barack Obama did his best, and I'm so proud of his mm -hmm. accomplishments. Um, I'm a huge fan, big supporter of his. The politics of, of this movement. So we think about the consumerism of it all. I think when we talk to an, the average white person, they still have a lot of fear about black people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I believe that scares them most is that they hear the same narrative that we feel is stifling the growth mm -hmm. of our kids, and they believe it. But our kids, they hear it. I don't believe they believe it, because mm -hmm. there's a reason why you can see thousands of black youth show up, and nobody mm -hmm. ever heard, saw a flyer, nobody ever saw mm -hmm. you know, any, any news about it, but yet they show up, they have a way of communicating. Mm -hmm. um, we look at this consumerism, but how do we teach our young people the value of consuming our own? Mm -hmm. um, because the narrative and what they're trying to get us to buy into is not just things, mm -hmm. but it's also culture. Right. And it's a culture that, that doesn't breathe life mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. our community. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's so true. How do you separate the politics of all of that mm -hmm. from what families could be talking about around the dinner table? I don't think you can separate the, the politics. I think the politics are, are a part of it. If we, we look at the definition of politics, politics, polis, meaning the affairs of the city, mm -hmm. and the family should be concerned about the affairs of the city because the city influences and mm -hmm. has an impact on the family. And there are several institutions that have to have a social, spiritual, economic curriculum. That being uh, the church. Mm -hmm. uh, all faith communities, whether mm -hmm. it's a church, synagogue, or the mosque, uh, it has to be the family, which is an institution, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, educational institutions, colleges, places of higher education, mm -hmm. and also local, locally controlled uh, institutions that we would call, you know, primary schools, elementary mm -hmm. schools, things of that nature. And then uh, there is the kind of I call it the fourth wing, the, the cultural institutions, uh, whether the, the, the poets, the writers, the musicians, uh, they have to be producing the kind of literature, the music that inspires transformation and change. And we have to work together. We don't have to agree, but we have to work together in a, in, in a way so that we can educate a new generation. Now, the challenge is that many people don't believe that they even have a curriculum. You go to, go to a church and, and they're, they're, they're parroting something that was just passed down to them. Yeah. So, the, I like to say it this way, there are black churches and churches with black people. Uh, <laughs> and the black church tradition is a tradition, that's the, the Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass tradition, the tradition right. of transformation. And then there is the nouveau tradition. Uh, the same thing uh, with, with, with places such as synagogues and mosques, yeah. uh, that those traditions have the ability to be able to pass on particular values. Mm -hmm. The family uh, has to hold a curriculum that is affirming mm -hmm. 
to children so that they can see themselves as, as excellent and beautiful and fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. The educational institutions have to have a curriculum that speaks truth to power. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so dangerous about excluding books and burning books mm -hmm. and banning books. I want my son and daughter mm -hmm. to, to know about the antebellum period, mm -hmm. Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. I want my sons and daughter to know about the Chinese Exclusion Act. Mm -hmm. I want my sons and daughter to know about the labor movement. Mm -hmm. I want my son and daughter to know all the complexity of not only American history, mm -hmm. but of world history. They should walk away and understand Kwame Nkrumah. Mm -hmm. They should walk away and understand Stephen Biko and Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. uh, they should have an understanding of, of the entire movement for freedom in India, mm -hmm. along with uh, the challenges for the Irish in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a completely different, a global education. Mm -hmm. uh, we had an intern at our church who was from England. And he was, he wanted to study about black church and black theology. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, where did you learn this? He says, well, it's a requirement in our curriculum. Oh, oh my goodness. I said, what? Really? He said, yeah, we have a whole section mm -hmm. where I had to spend a semester understanding the African-American freedom movement. Mm -hmm. And then I had to understand the indigenous rights movement. Wow. I said, in England. In England. You are getting more oh. information than what we're getting yeah, here. Yeah. Because they said to be a global leader, mm. you have to understand mm -hmm. the experiences of the world. Mm -hmm. I said, well, that's what education is mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. So our institutions have to take that perspective of putting children first mm -hmm. so that they can thrive. Mm -hmm. And we currently aren't doing this because we politicized the the curriculum. So yeah. the family needs a curriculum that allows children to thrive, mm. where they are firm and developed, which means mothers and fathers have to also be in spaces where they can learn parenting. Mm -hmm. We assume yes. that everybody knows parenting. Mm -hmm. So we'd have to create systems now mm -hmm. so that the unwritten curriculum of, of parenting will become a written one. Yes. So fathers can know it's all right to love your sons and your daughters yeah. and this your pre how your presence can mm -hmm. be powerful uh, and your words can can elevate or destroy mm. Th that has to be taught mm -hmm. and and that's where we are in a space now where we need mothers and fathers to be in spaces where they can learn how to empower children and we've done this before mm -hmm. Fannie Lou Hamer was a part of a movement of what was called democracy education mm -hmm. freedom schools. Mm -hmm. Parents came in mm -hmm. to learn about how to teach their children. Mm -hmm. And in the process, they were also sharing unique tidbits of how you can help your child thrive. Mm -hmm. So if we could do it in Mississippi in 1961, why can't we do it in Chicago in 2023? Now, see, you're talking about something that almost kind of feels like, you know, yeah, there's that returning back to certain things, and yet maybe, maybe it's time for the black community to really come back to the basics, because integration hasn't gotten us very far. Um, I've never been an integrationist. You know, I'm, I'm, I am a desegregationist. I believe in separate but equal. Um, and I spend time, a lot of time in the theater mm -hmm. landscape. And there's a BIPOC movement that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and my feeling is, you know, when, when they started firing all of these artistic directors around mm -hmm. the country and saying we need to put black artistic directors in their places and tell our stories, you know, I'm not necessarily such a major proponent of that. Mm -hmm. I support the movement, of mm -hmm. course. but. We need our own places and our own spaces so mm -hmm. we can tell our own stories. You know, let people do what they want yes. with their house. Um, it's a distraction, I mm -hmm. guess is what I'm saying. Uh, but I just want to go back to something. Music, and I, I highlight this because it was a big piece that I wanted to talk to you about. I know you're a, a lover of music. Mm -hmm. um, 
Last night, I went to the Hyde Park Jazz Festivals. Um, they honored Richard Steele. Mm. And I believe it was the Ernie Green trio that played. Mm. And he wrote a, a, a composition for uh, a guy, um, Bud somebody, I don't remember his mm. name. But Powell? Bud Powell. Yes. It was Bud Powell. <laughs> and he'd never met Bud Powell. Mm. But he wrote this composition just based on all that he learned mm. about his life. Mm. And apparently Bud Howell had a really hard life mm -hmm. um, with lots of ebbs and flows and hills and valleys. And he played this and it was just um, Ernie on the piano. He had a, a bass player mm -hmm. and a drummer. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to this, mm -hmm. it was so powerful. Like I could feel the highs and the lows mm -hmm. of Buddy but but Powell's mm -hmm. life, no lyrics, mm -hmm. but I I I heard that story. Mm -hmm. So today, um, when we think about you know that conversation of parents teaching these mm -hmm. things to their kids, I ask myself the question: Who is teaching our kids today, and what are they teaching them? Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think about the music that kids listen to because mm -hmm. that is what is in their ear twenty four seven. And then I ask who are they listening to yes. and what are they being told? Um, what are your thoughts about music today mm -hmm. and the direction that it's taking our kids? Mm -hmm. And do you have faith in the lyricists and composers today mm -hmm. and how they're guiding our children? I would say I have faith in lyricists, but I don't have faith in the corporations. Mm. Because the corporations are making certain demands upon incredibly talented, gifted lyricists. Mm. Now, I'll give a prime example. Here in Chicago, there's a wonderful young lady by the name of No Name, mm. one of the most gifted no poets name. you will ever hear. Mm -hmm. She has an incredible piece she did called Casket Pretty. Mm. And Casket Pretty was about the idea of going to a funeral. Mm -hmm. And why is this the moment mm. when we see a young person looking pretty, dressed up, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just just a very powerful mm -hmm. piece and she made a decision mm -hmm. I choose not to step in the corporate stream mm. I'm gonna do my work independently and I will find my audience Chance the Rapper did something similar to that, mm -hmm. uh, where he said I'm gonna find my audience and I'm gonna do it online I'm gonna create this collective and there is a need to create spaces for young artists to thrive. There is a need also to teach them about the insidious danger of this corporate consumerist culture that wants, wants black youth to be modern day minstrel singers. Mm. Where he said, we want to package you mm. because the music is primarily consumed by non-black youth. Mm -hmm. So we're comfortable mm -hmm. with you presenting a certain image, but we're not comfortable with no name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because no names, mm. radical and historic poetry mm. destroys a narrative. Mm -hmm. So I would rather package whatever name you want to think of, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'd rather sell this individual mm -hmm. than promote this individual. Mm -hmm. And then social media and the way in which technology is, is, mm -hmm. is, is designed allows us to distribute things in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, so I really believe that there are just incredible lyricists who are doing great work. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite is a gentleman by the name of Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. Kendrick is gifted. Kendrick is raising questions. Mm -hmm. Kendrick has made the decision, even though he's very popular, it's difficult for him. My son said it this way. He says, no, he's not a headbanger. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to go to a party and just get yeah. with the Kendrick piece, but you want to sit and listen to what is he saying. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the collective of people who have that perspective will, uh, will grow. Mm -hmm. He works with a young man by the name of Dave Free. Dave Free. Dave Free. Dave Free is probably one of the most gifted producer cinematographers mm -hmm. there is. They're creating pieces of art with video where they would go to like a gallery Bouchard mm -hmm. 
look at paint, black paintings, mm -hmm. and saying, how can we recreate that in image? Wow. A completely mm -hmm. different level mm -hmm. of communication. Yes. How can we, uh, that's why they use Kendrick and Dave Free mm. when they did the movie, The Black Panther. Mm. <laughs> so because of the art that was being created. And these are the people that we need to, to, to lift up. It's, mm -hmm. you know, Kendrick's out front, but then there's Dave Free, mm -hmm. <laughs> who's in the back, mm -hmm. who's doing this work. Similar to what Ava DuVernay is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we create these images and empower people? So I, I think the lyricists and mm -hmm. the artists do what artists do, breaking barriers. Yeah. Corporations mm -hmm. are trying to pick up young, vulnerable, hungry artists mm -hmm. and saying the only way yeah. that you can make a dollar mm -hmm. is sign this contract and I need you to fit in this mold. Yeah. And that's not what Harry Belafonte did. Mm -mm. Harry Belafonte said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to make any more movies. Right. I'll just go to Europe and do what I want to do, but I'm going to make money and I'm going to serve, uh, serve the movie. That's not what Nina Simone mm -hmm. did. She said that's that right. I'm going to do a song about mm -hmm. Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi. goddamn. Yes. You know, that's very different. Mm -hmm. Marvin Gaye had to argue with Barry Gordy and yeah. said, no, I'm not doing the smooth R&B mm -hmm. that is acceptable. I want to talk about what's going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. And and there we've always had great artists. Mm -hmm. And if we connect the artists again with these other institutions, these artists, like for example, I think that some of our top artists, whether it's a no name or a Kendrick, mm -hmm. they should be teaching at Hampton and Howard yes. and Morehouse and Spelman and Clark mm -hmm. Atlanta. They they should be doing not just concerts, but going through their artistic mm -hmm. process. Dave Free mm -hmm. needs to be in a media department. Mm at one of our institutions, training yeah, yeah. a new generation. Mm -hmm. Rich Paul, mm -hmm. who is the agent for LeBron James, mm. he needs to be in a business department yes. somewhere. We, we don't need necessarily just the PhD. Mm -hmm. We need the practitioners yes. teaching mm -hmm. and creating a curriculum that is revolutionary and radical and ultimately seeks human thriving mm. and Black liberation yes. by breaking the colonization mm -hmm. of our imagination. Mm, the colonization, breaking the colonization of our mm -hmm. imagination. Our, our imagination. Because it is shackled. Yeah, it's shackled. It, we, we think there's only certain things we can do. Yeah. So the family, the church, mm -hmm. the uh, higher education, primary school, mm -hmm. and artists mm -hmm. are spaces that should, in theory, should break colonization of the imagination and allow us to see that the skies are the Okay, so I have an assignment for you. <laughs> you need to find, find, found a think tank okay. <laughs> that includes um, at least one or two people in each one of those areas mm -hmm. to talk about this very mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Because music is over there, mm -hmm. theater is over here, mm -hmm. and I firmly believe that if we could bring the education and the theater and the music and business people together yes. and discuss this, we would realize that even when we go to the theater, like the, all those musicians that we're talking about that you love, mm -hmm. their music should be you know, on the soundscape yes. of theater yes. that we're seeing yes. and hearing, not the other stuff mm -hmm. that we call pop or nothing, nothing against mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, because, you know, I love me some right. Michael Jackson. Michael's, Michael's gifted, yeah. Um, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. And if not you, who? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, but really, I mean, that's, that's real talk. Because if we don't have people like you who really understands it, mm -hmm. to have that conversation, it, it won't get had. Um, what role does the church play, can the church play, in the lives of inner city youth? Well, it should be a central role. Uh, it should be a space where, one, the imagination is unshackled. They recognize that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, mm -hmm. that they are loved by God, and they do not see Jesus mm -hmm. as someone of European descent, mm -hmm. but they should see themselves right. uh, in that, and not as a sociological idea. 
but say, no, this is historical mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sociological, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is transformative. The, the, the church should be the space. Um, these are so many buildings. I really believe a coalition of, of African-American churches, whether you storefront or whether mid-size, whether mega, mm -hmm. we have space. Mm -hmm. That should be the space where you do your next recording. There, mm -hmm. There's a gentleman by the name of uh, Reverend Matthews out of Cleveland, and he turned the basement of the church into a recording studio. Mm. simply just to train them in sound engineering oh. and that's all he said I want you all to come you, mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want just you know he gave some rules and certain things they couldn't yeah, do yeah. he said I want you to learn how to run the soundboard. I mm -hmm. want you to learn how to do the recording I want you to learn how to do the editing mm -hmm. I want you to learn all these things so that you are not dependent mm -hmm. on someone else doing this work mm -hmm. and then would challenge them could you create a piece of art around this subject Mm. That's it. I'm just going to give you the subject. You work with it. And, and part of the artistry of, of hip-hop is freestyle. And one of the freestyle, um, wonderful things to see freestyle, they used to have a place called the Lyricist Lounge, where you had to pick out something out of a hat. Mm -hmm. And you had to come up with a oh, just really? killer, you know, you had to come up with a killer rap on it. Mm -hmm. And so Matthews was attempting to do the kind of work to say it's not just enough to be on the mic. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be behind the scenes? doing the work mm -hmm. and churches have that opportunity to do that churches every church should have a rites of passage program mm -hmm. that should be training young men and young women uh, what it means to be a thriving adult what we're doing at trinity uh, we have a new initiative we have a rites of passage program mm -hmm. we have a new initiative we're, we're taking money right now and we're we're, we're we're taking that money and we're building on it because when our young people complete their rites of passage mm -hmm. program, 17, mm -hmm. they go from 10 to 17, mm -hmm. we will send them to West Africa for several weeks. Mm -hmm. One, to study. Mm -hmm. Two, to serve. Mm -hmm. And three, to get credit before they go to school. Mm -hmm. And our dream is that when they step on the campus of Howard or Morehouse or Spelman mm -hmm. or Harvard or Princeton, yeah. they can say, oh, I already got nine hours because mm -hmm. I, I can speak um, a little bit of French yeah. and Yoruba and yeah. Wolof because I was mm -hmm. in Senegal and I was in Ghana. And can you imagine what that would do for a young person yes. who's rooted in that way, mm. rooted in their faith, rooted in their culture, mm -hmm. and rooted in the global connection mm -hmm. of people, not only of African descent, but of all people. Mm -hmm. And then they step on a college campus. Mm. They're ready. They're ready. And, and ready. people of privilege I think about um, when you talk about students who go to say, quote unquote, Harvard mm -hmm. or a Yale, mm -hmm. the commonality Wait, is- Wait, now, didn't you go to Yale? I did go to Yale, <laughs> graduate school. I started at Morehouse though. <laughs> um, the commonality mm -hmm. for many of those in undergrad is one, their parents had the means mm -hmm. to ensure they were exposed to certain things. So your SAT or ACT has nothing to do with intelligence, has everything to do with exposure. Mm -hmm. If you have been, if your mom and dad were reading mm -hmm. you Shakespeare, well, there's gonna be certain words that you will know on the SAT, right. mm -hmm. just, just end of story. Mm -hmm. If you, in the summer, were summering in Russia mm -hmm. and summering in France, mm -hmm. well, guess what? I guess you're gonna speak a little Russian or a little French. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna do the same thing for our students, mm -hmm. but understand that globally, most people look like men. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so whether they're in Brazil, mm -hmm. whether they're in Cuba, mm -hmm. whether they're in South Africa, mm -hmm. the Philippines, or Asia, or they're in Australia, mm -hmm. they're going to recognize that they're part of a global community, and they no longer need to see themselves at the bottom of a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. But spiritually, the way that God has created this is a round table. So there is no front, there is no back. We all sitting at a table we did not make. And that table of humanity that God designed, there's no person who's at the head of the table. And that's the beautiful thing about a round table. You know, everybody's equal. Wow. You know, I think about what you're doing and people around this country are talking about the decline of the black church. That you can walk into a church and there's nobody in the pews. And what you're describing is really like a, a, a blueprint for how to bring the young people back to mm -hmm. church because 
you know, there were a few things that I had written down, what's missing, skills, confidence, and hope that young people are lacking in a program like Rites of Passage. Those are things that when they walk onto a college campus, they will know, yes. they will have hope, they will um, have confidence, yes. and have some idea about what they're good at, you know? And you're teaching that. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. and, and people say start where you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, if we were able to duplicate that all over the city of Chicago, mm -hmm. that would be great. Mm -hmm. But hey, Trinity is out there doing it. We are, we are doing the best we can. <laughs> every community, every mm -hmm. faith community, you have the ability to be able to carve out mm -hmm. something that can be impactful. Yeah. I think about many of the storefront churches, I think that they do some of the best work in, in the community. Mm -hmm. Storefront churches, we have three families, mm -hmm. essentially, that are part of that. But guess where our best musicians come from? Mm -hmm. They come from Pentecostal storefront churches. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do storefront churches do? They do something that other churches don't do. It's called the shed. Mm -hmm. They bring together and this, usually musicians put this together. They bring together all these musicians around Chicago and other places mm -hmm. to do a jam session. Mm. And you get to get on the drums or the guitar based upon your skill. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the top skill starts and you kind of go down from there mm -hmm. and they learn. So every, just about every band you see, you know, mm -hmm. whether you're watching Beyonce's band mm -hmm. or whether you're checking out Gregory Porter's band, mm -hmm. many of them were trained in, in a, a storefront, storefront church. Pentecostal church. Mm. Now, if we had been doing that and we never named it, yeah, yeah, what would happen if we harness it mm. so that it can even have more potential and power? Mm. Wow. What are two of the biggest challenges that you have faced as a pastor? Mm. I would have to say, again, colonization and the imagination. Mm. Um, white supremacy makes an impact on what people think is possible. And the pain that people exhibit and, 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 and communicate is rooted in that. Mm. So helping people to see beyond I survived. We got a black folk always been surviving. Mm -hmm. I want to see black folk thrive. Right. There's <laughs> a major right. difference. Exceeding and abundantly. Yes, yes. yes. We want to thrive, mm -hmm. meaning that we want to be able to live out mm -hmm. our potential that God has already inherently placed within us. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the major challenges that, that, that I have experienced. The second is just the tragedy of human frailty. Mm. The tragedy of human frailty is bumping into the brokenness of, of who we are as human beings. Mm. And when something is broken, it usually has sharp edges that cuts mm. other people. Mm. So people get injured, whether it's at a church or other yeah. institution, because of the depth of human frailty. And then on top of that, the colonization of their imagination, that they can't see another way out. Mm. And what a healthy faith community is supposed to do mm -hmm. is to say, I recognize your frailty. Mm -hmm. I'm here to unchain your imagination so that you can fully see who you are mm -hmm. in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. And you are not less than. You don't have a conjunction next to your name. You're good, but <laughs> right. we don't put conjunctions mm -hmm. next to your name. You are fully who you're to be and as they told us at Morehouse they would quote Howard Thurman every, every person who went to Morehouse this Howard Thurman was a graduate of Morehouse mm -hmm. an amazing teacher mystic philosopher all of that and as freshmen they marched us into the chapel and they told us a quote from Howard Thurman said that God placed a crown above your head you will spend the rest of your life growing tall enough to and then the dean would look at all of us and say, young men, I hope you'll be taller tomorrow. 
But that was that was an ethic that we lived by. The idea that we're going to stretch and just be better. We won't be perfect, but we're going to be better. Yeah, you know, yeah. Better is always better than best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because better is always seeking, That's right. seeking, always and still seeking, trying. struggling, and stretching Striving. in every aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we want our youth to be. Mm-hmm. That's what we want our churches to be better. Mm-hmm. We want our schools to be better. We want our families to be better. We want our artists to be better. Mm-hmm. We want those who are in the economic and political sphere mm-hmm. to be better. There's a crown above our heads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's stretch and not wear the fake crown mm. that the world has placed on our heads, but let's stretch for that spiritual crown that we've never reached. How do we train young boys and young girls to be this kind of men and women? Mm-hmm. Um, there are very distinct messages that young boys and young girls need um, growing up in order to achieve the kind of family spaces that you mm-hmm. spoke about earlier. Um, today's society teaches lots and lots of things and um, I just wonder what, is it any more difficult today to teach young boys and girls how to become those men and women you speak about? Oh, absolutely, because there's so many more influences. Yeah, how do you combat against that? How do you First First foundation has to be love, because the all the things that are competing for the uh, the hearts, the minds, mm-hmm. uh, the the eyeballs of, of our our young people, is attempting to say you're not enough. Mm-hmm. If you wear this, do this, say this, you'll be better. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just it's it's just a sales ploy. Yeah, we have to begin with this idea of love. Mm-hmm. Love without a conjunction. I'm going to be preaching on love without a conjunction. The idea is not love, but, but it's like you are fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist talks about. When you begin with that foundation, you you can you you can un, you can witness and see and feel a child. I'm talking about a small child, like three or four, who's loved. Yeah. Because yeah. you know they got multiple hugs, multiple people doting mm-hmm. on them, and they experience the world very differently. Mm-hmm. Not fear-based. They walk up to adults and say, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they start talking to you. I mean, they, they just exude a level of joy yeah. because everything is fascinating and not dangerous. Mm. Now, the parents are protective and all of that, but love does something to the human psyche. Mm. It does something to your body. Here's an interesting, interesting story. They mm-hmm. that uh, when children are, um, you know, having kind of difficulties physically, mm-hmm. when they are, you know, between like zero and three, zero and four, and whatnot, um, many times they they have people that will just rock a child who's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They say that the yeah. that human touch. But here's the interesting thing: it's not just anybody picking up a child and I will rock you. It's the person who has a deep commitment, compassion, and love for the child Mm -hmm. that it does something physically Mm -hmm. that releases chemicals in the body. Honey, you're teaching and preaching right now. (laughs) So we've got to create Mm -hmm. those spaces. And the challenge for us is that many adults never had that embrace. So now they're trying the best they can Mm -hmm. to raise a child, and they were never themselves raised. Mm -hmm. So we have to create the spaces. Mm -hmm. And again, that goes, I think, back to the faith communities, to the educational communities, to the artistic communities, communities that will help people to learn the absolute revolutionary power of of love. love. Mm. That's amazing. That's powerful. That is, I, I remember being in Israel once and I went to visit the um, black um, um, Israelite, the, the Hebrew mm-hmm. Jews. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say that I really think about when you just said that, that I saw a visual because the children mm-hmm. from six and down, mm-hmm. six and under, when you look at their faces and you look at their eyes, these are some of the happiest children I've ever seen in my whole entire mm-hmm. life. And they had less than most here. Yes, they're they're not even accepted as real citizens in their own country. 
But if you compare their faces with a mm. lot of young face, young black mm -hmm. faces today, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. That joy you spoke about, that freedom to be, that, yes. Yes. you know, it's that cultural identity mm -hmm. and love mm -hmm. that they have. Um, love. Love is absolutely revolutionary. There's, there's nothing like it. There's no, mm -hmm. we've spent thousands of years as human beings trying to talk about love. Mm -hmm. Every poet, every yeah. songwriter, yeah. every lyricist, whatever, mm -hmm. somebody's talking about love. That's right. Because we know how powerful it is, mm -hmm. what it can do. And we're not, you know, not talking about sex, we're talking yeah. about love. Love, real love. Real love. It's like when they say a child doesn't really care what you know unless they know how much you care. That's right. Yeah, they want and to feel that. And the central message, and this is what many faith communities miss, Central message. Jesus said, well, what's the greatest commandment? Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind yes. and soul. Love your neighbor as, as yourself. yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be doing a message on the three loves. Loving God, loving self, loving neighbor. You know, can, can, can you, you know, you got to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. idea that the central message mm -hmm. of the gospel mm -hmm. is love. That is so powerful because it's like you said, I, I was going to ask you a question and you just really answered it. It's not straying away from the central message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, my question, I'll still ask it, how difficult is it to teach the message of the Bible mm -hmm. to a young mind today, to a young heart today? Mm -hmm. um, can you, is there, are there ears to hear? Oh, gosh, um, sure. yeah, they're, they're excited to hear it. Now they, they ask questions just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, this generation has, so it requires the teacher, the pastor, the servant, in any shape or form, that they have to be better equipped mm -hmm. than the previous generation. Mm -hmm. So for my father's generation, there were people who were biblically literate already. Mm -hmm. So the assumption that they already knew things. This generation, they're like, I'll never forget the conversation I had years ago with someone. I mentioned something about uh, Amazing Grace. And the gentleman looked dead at me and said, who's she? <laughs> because he just assumed wow. it was a woman's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had yeah. to explain, you know, explain what that, what, that, what that was. But for, 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 for this generation, again, you have all this competition mm -hmm. and they raise these questions, but they yearn for connection. Mm -hmm. And when the story when the, the teachings of Christ are raised, people are like, I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> like, Jesus was like, Jesus was like the goat. <laughs> like, right, really? Like, he really rolled like yeah. that? Yeah. That's how he rolled like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how he rolled in Palestine during that time period. Was, I mean, this is, this is the man right here. And this message mm -hmm. of, of love, of people who were completely, utterly marginalized. Mm. A woman at the well, mm. a woman with an issue of blood, mm. a man with a so-called demonic spirit. Mm. This is his crew. Mm. Mm. These are the people he wants to see. And when See? they hear this, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is different than where did this other stuff go? I said, don't mm -hmm. confuse the doctrine you've been hearing. Right, right, right. I want to, we want to get these gospels here. <laughs> it's, 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 it, and people resonate mm -hmm. with that. Mm. You preached a sermon once um, about lepers. Mm -hmm. And in that sermon, you talked about the importance of going outside of your community mm -hmm. for resources mm -hmm. uh, or power or mm -hmm. whatever the need is and bringing it back home mm -hmm. to bless the community. In your sermon, your, your illustration was about lepers because they were the least mm -hmm. on the totem pole in mm -hmm. the community, and yet they blessed the most. Mm -hmm. I want you to talk about how important you feel that message is, mm -hmm. but, but also I want to hear your thoughts about from the political side, mm -hmm. you know, of course, I think about a Floyd Flake in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but 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 and even some people who say they want to go play footsies with the Republicans mm -hmm. because there's power there and resources, mm -hmm. and they want to get it and bring it back. Talk to me a little bit about that message mm -hmm. 
uh, if you would. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, I did a message talking about the fact that the, the leper was assigned and segregated into a leper mm. colony. Mm. And they were never to leave that, and they were to live their life within the boundaries that someone else had set. And if they were to leave, they had to go around announcing, you know, mm -hmm. I have leprosy. They had to tell everybody, yeah. you know, I've left, you know, I've left the segregated community mm -hmm. and um, don't touch me. Don't mm -hmm. come near me. I I'm a leper. Mm -hmm. And in order to be healed, you had to go to the person mm -hmm. who had already placed you in <laughs> the boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, that priest said, oh, you have a leper, you're a leper, yeah. or a leper colony. And I was attempting to, to share the, the connection uh, with this, this ancient text with what is happening today. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are marginalized, people who are segregated by other people to mm -hmm. say, live within these boundaries. Mm -hmm. Don't let your imagination ever think mm -hmm. that you can come into these boundaries. Right, Stay right, right. here mm -hmm. in this colony yes. and be colonized mm -hmm. in this colony. Mm -hmm. And here is Jesus who is willing to do what no one else was willing to do. He said, I'll touch a leper. Mm -hmm. I'll spend some time, I'll talk with you. Mm -hmm. And then now go back. Mm -hmm and tell everybody <laughs> who healed you. And all of a sudden you got a leper revolution going on. <laughs> you know, that all these lepers are like, I gotta find this guy, you know, named Jesus. And they're breaking the boundaries, not that God made. Yeah. They're yeah. breaking the boundaries that humanity mm. made in order, because of fear. Yes. Because, they did, because leprosy was a variety of things. Mm -hmm. It might've been a rash. Mm -hmm. It might've been something that could be passed on. It might have been an injury. It was all of these different things because people were fearful of people who looked different. Yeah. And, and so that was the, the essential idea around that. One of the things that you were raised about the idea politically uh, that I believe that is important now mm -hmm. is, and we've been attempting to do this on, on multiple levels historically for mm -hmm. black people, but we don't need a democratic agenda. Mm -hmm. We don't need a Republican agenda. Mm -hmm. We need our agenda. Mm -hmm. And if you get with our agenda, we're down with you. Yes. If you're not with it, we don't want to have nothing to do with mm -hmm. you. And so I don't believe that we should champion mm -hmm. Democrats mm -hmm. or champion Republicans. Mm -hmm. I believe that we should champion our community. Mm -hmm. And have people co coalesce around our agenda. For example, it was wonderful, which was shocking at the same time. Um, I saw Al Sharpton and um, I can't think of his name, used to be uh, Speaker of the House back in the 90s, who started the old uh, crazy guy. Gingrich. Uh, Gingrich. <laughs> but they were together and they agreed on one particular issue, mm -hmm. prison reform. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because Gingrich was saying it's a waste of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Sharpton was saying it's this this is a moral issue mm -hmm. that's what an agenda does when you have an agenda mm -hmm. you find where you can find coalitions and support mm -hmm. now on the other hand there's a whole lot of stuff I'm not going to support on the Republican side a whole lot mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot I'm not going to support on the Democrat mm -hmm. side but I'm, I want to know what is going to allow my community mm -hmm. to thrive yeah and I know that the cradle to prison pipeline mm -hmm. is problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, the issues in and around economic development mm -hmm. and investment is, is problematic in, in, in our community. The issues of healthcare and access to food yes, period. Is, is problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the issues also is black farmers, mm -hmm. that we need an agenda. Yeah. That Mississippi alone uh, took away somewhere like several million acres mm -hmm of land from black farmers, mm -hmm. the state of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So I raise the question, we talk about reparations, reparations for those farmers yes. whose land was taken mm -hmm. by state-sponsored actions. Mm -hmm. We have to have that conversation. Yes. That's what this agenda yeah. should be about. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just the what someone else hammers out and says, are you for the Democrats? Are you for the Republicans? Right. No, I'm for our community. Mm -hmm. Let's see where we can connect. Now, I tell you, you have, um, you're talking about things that everybody wants to know about mm -hmm. and they don't even know that they need to know about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's that kind of thing, you know, what do you, um, you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. but when you hear it, you know that it's something that's gonna make a difference. Yes. 
not just in your life, but in your action. How can we, black people, we were, it was indoctrinated in us to go get our, you know, you talked about independence, mm -hmm. individualism, act, uh, mm -hmm. actually. I, I feel that's our biggest downfall is individualism. Mm. We've moved away from community. Mm. You know, we bought mm. into the, we want a white picket fence, mm. literally, that keeps us away from our neighbors when, you know, we really need to be embracing and getting to know our neighbors and knock down that, those, those mm. walls of fear. When, 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 when I think about, you know, the direction of Otis Moss III, who came from the history that you come from, uh, and, and I mean it when I say you are a young man. You have so much more time. I listen to the things, the vision. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're making it plain. You're writing it down, developing curriculums, developing programs um, in your church. That's your space. Uh, but you're bigger than your space. What, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? If you look out at the city of Chicago and the families that are represented by your church, Trinity mm -hmm. United, um, what impact would you like to see mm -hmm. in 10 years? What would it look like, the work that you're doing today? What would be the manifestation of that? You know, I've given some thought to this because we've talked about it as a as church collectively mm -hmm. and, and things of that nature. I would hope that in 10 years from now, when you drive down 95th Street, mm -hmm. that people would be like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what happened here? What, how, did, how did this community get transformed? Mm. And not gentrified, but a renaissance, mm. where you could visit businesses that are thriving, but are locally owned, where you could find housing that is not something that's just thrown up, but mm -hmm. some incredibly creative housing where people are living and thriving, where there's a farmer's market and a grocery store, mm -hmm. and then there's a church sitting there mm -hmm. that has been part of the engine for the transformation of, of this community. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that we would have created a blueprint that any faith community could follow. Mm -hmm. How do you, corner by corner, brick by brick, change your neighborhood mm -hmm. so that people who don't even go to your church mm -hmm. are blessed beyond measure? Wow. Mm -hmm. Reverend Otis Moss, you are a prophetic man. Uh, you have spoken so many truths and given us so many nuggets. I'm sure that anybody listening to this conversation is going to want to come visit your church <laughs> to get a little bit more of what you have to offer. And when I think about what you have to offer, it's just so powerful. If you think about the gifts that God gave you, and yes, he's equipped you to do everything, all the assignments, What's missing for you? That if you could reach for it, it would make a difference. Mm -hmm. I, I would, it would be several things. One, um, <laughs> that I have no musical ability whatsoever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when he was passing out those gifts, he did, just kept on walking. Any of those gifts. Number two, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I wish that uh, I had. Uh, a much better administrative skill set. I have some great mm -hmm. folks around me, you know, but I really do. I have a much more, everybody knows, kind of a visionary, imaginative, mm -hmm. uh, teaching-centric uh, uh, framing in terms of uh, mm -hmm. uh, my work. And I wish that I had spent more time recording, listening, and writing down the stories of many of my elders who are now gone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that mm -hmm. I, I, I truly miss that. And I wish that I could be better at being a pastor, mm -hmm. better at being a father, mm -hmm. better at being a husband, mm -hmm. better at being a disciple, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. being better. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really, you know, strive 
to, to make you know extend and strive and stretch, but um, always missing the mark. Yeah. You've been um, passionate and an advocate for social justice. You've always been, um, you've always used your platform to speak out against justice mm -hmm. and um, for a more equitable society. I want to say thank you. I don't think we say thank you enough to each other. Um, you are a gifted writer, a prolific speaker. Um, your sermons deserve a box in everybody's library at home. Um, you're a wise man. You um, have a reputation for being a compassionate leader um, and a listener. Um, and it's not always, I think, easy to balance those kinds of things. Um, but you're also one who doesn't try to keep it all for yourself. You, uh, among your peers, are known for being willing to give guidance and offer support. Um, that is important for young people to witness. I think what I appreciate most about you is your believer in the power of faith as a transformative element that is still and always will be something achievable. Mm -hmm. What message would you like to leave with our listeners that will leave them with some hope mm -hmm. for our community? Love was revolutionary. Love is revolutionary. Love will always be revolutionary. Lead with love, end with love, live in love, know that God is love, there's a blessing in love, learn how to love, <laughs> accept the love, and spread the love. Mm. And those aspects in itself are always transformative because every affirming recollection that we have of a person or a place somehow connected to love. God bless you. Thank you. Thank and you for this. Thank you mm -hmm. for this conversation for Black News Podcast. Thank you. This is a joy. <laughs> We've had the blessing of talking to Pastor Reverend Otis Moss III. He's been a powerful voice for good in the world. His insights and wisdom are absolutely invaluable. And he is a force for positive change. One that I believe in, and I know now you do too.